Hi, this is Jim. And Ralph. And uh, we welcome you to another podcast of uh, 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 Psychology Takeaway, this time with, uh, an intro, with our intro music. We managed to get some intro music, and uh, this is, I think, a tune we're going to keep as our theme from here on in. Okay, I, I, I like it too. So, Ralph, um, Sheila, my wife, has a friend in, um, well, now she lives in France. But um, uh, when Sheila met her, first of all, she was living in the United Kingdom. And um, she sent Sheila a, uh, uh, an email this morning. And I would like to read it, okay? Okay. Because I think it fits right into what we're talking about when we talk about positive psychology, even though uh, Sarah doesn't mention positive psychology. A little backstory: she is a, um, um, an entrepreneur who sells flower remedies. She picks flowers, makes them into remedies of various kinds, and is very successful at marketing them. You know, okay. Who, who, and who would so, have thought? So these are things that uh, people uh, inhale or smell or drink, or how do they, uh, how do they take them? All of the above. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or any, any way that... Uh, yeah, you can you know, get the, uh, the the remedy into you. Suppose you can't smell or you can't swallow. Or you, you rub it on your uh, on your arms or you know rub it on your legs and your tummy or you know, something like that. So it's um, uh, so she uh, six years ago she and her husband embarked on this grand adventure. So and it made Sheila and I think of the adventure that we're embarking on. You know, Sarah moved. 600 miles away to the south of France. We're moving 900 feet away <laughs> to the edge of the river, but okay, here it is. It's coming up six years since we moved to France to begin our new life. We said goodbye to our house in the UK and climbed into our magical van with new, a few belongings, our two cats, and drove to the southwest of France on June 21st, 2015. I assume they got across the English Channel not in the van, but I, yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe the channel. That's right, there's a channel. Okay, oh, there you go. We spent the first nine months of our life uh, here living in a tiny but totally picturesque cottage. Life has had its moments, we have quotation marks around moments, with, uh, as with all big decisions. Yet we know, within our hearts, we absolutely did the right thing. Many of our friends and family thought we were taking a huge risk, and in some ways I guess we were, but actually we didn't feel like that at all. We were supported, and looking back, we knew that the waves of desire, or waves of destiny, uh, lifted us up and brought us here in easy and joyful ways. Now, here's, the, here's a takeaway for, for us. Uh, it's the last couple of sentences. If there's something calling you in life, you need to, uh, and you need to borrow some courage to make it happen. Go out into nature. And this is where, you know, you'd advocate this, Ralph. Go, go out into nature, observe her cycles and her ability to transform. Then sync with her, uh, uh, your energies. Then sync your energies with hers. I promise you'll find yourself moving in ways that you never expected. Sending you love and blessings. Uh, for your magical life and business. So that's uh, Sarah over there in South France sending all of our listeners her uh, uh, magical uh, uh, magical magic. 
And that's a that's a wonderful thing. I I'm not sure that I believe in magic, but I do believe that people can find magical lives. Okay. Well, I like the uh, uh, song by the Love and Spoonful. Well, do you believe in magic? So I believe in magic. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, Ralph, last week we got so engrossed in Parma that uh, we never got to the uh, suggestions made by the, uh, the the ancient Stoics. You said, I believe, that there were five Stoic takeaways that had to do with Parma. And just to refresh uh, my memory, Parma is positive emotion. Right. Our relationship. Right. P-A-R-P-R engagement engagement meaning meaning and achievement achievement okay yeah. you got them all okay thank you did I get an A in the, the quiz uh, prof yes okay so the the, um, uh, the the takeaways from the Stoics go ahead okay well one of the things that the Stoics uh, said was own the morning own the morning. Yeah, now uh, this is maybe a contemporary way of phrasing it, but the Stoics were very big on saying that the morning is the time of our lives when we can be most productive. You know, that's really interesting, Ralph. Um, I did something today that I usually don't do. I bounded out of bed at 7 o'clock. Okay. <laughs> Why did I do that? Well, um, the, uh, the back deck at our house uh, was uh, dirty. Uh, we've had uh, gypsy moths and they've been making a mess on the back deck. And before it hit 90 degrees, as it's supposed to do today, I wanted to get out there with the power washer and take care of the back deck. And so, hey, I, what, what was it? What did I do? I owned the morning. You owned the morning, Ooh. yeah. Now, an example from myself, um, when, uh, when I was teaching uh, classes, and I'd have writing classes of, of 30 uh, students, uh, so I'd have four classes in a day. Uh, well, four times 30. 120. 120 students. That's a lot of students. A lot and of they, stuff to read. They were doing uh, a paper a week, but sometimes they'd turn in a rough draft for me to look at. And... What I found was that if I came home and tried to look over papers in the evening, I was very unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. But if I went to bed at a reasonable hour, in spite of my night owl habits, and got up in the morning, sometimes at uh, 5 or 6 o'clock, and spent a couple of hours that I could get through an amazing number of papers and make good comments on them. So that was me owning the morning rather than saying, oh, it feels so good, I think I'll just uh, stay in bed for another hour. Uh, let me go back to sleep. Uh, you get very little of uh, positive things in life yeah. if you do that. Good point. All of the books that I've written, I think there are 10 of them all together, um, uh, have been written early in the morning, you know, getting up at five, uh, 
and uh, doing the work, you know, before the rest of the world seems to become awake and you know wants yeah. a little piece yeah. of piece of me. Okay, good good point. So that's the first one. Own the morning. So whether okay. you're power washing or reading uh, 120 papers in an English uh, class or writing a writing a book that uh, has never seen a uh, a, a rung on the bestseller uh, uh, ladder, you know, that's the time to do it, right? Right, and one of the things that, uh, you know, kind of is an axiom of uh, maybe a meme, uh, everybody has five chapters of a book in the top drawer of their desk, and they never finish it. And one of the reasons is that people find it hard to get up at five in the morning and work for a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. But the next thing is away from yourself and into the realm of other people. Away from yourself and into the realm of other people. Okay, now that sounds a little bit like relationship that it we, that we looked at with Parma. Okay. Try to see the good in people. Aha, uh -huh. okay. So, you know, one of the things that we're, we're seeing now is that uh, in the last, oh, what, uh, year, people who are, I would like to think, chronically, uh, psychologically ill, have been doing um, school and workplace and random uh, shootings. Okay. Now, you don't do that if you believe that other people are basically good and even though somebody might be acting like a jerk right at the moment, that um, you can find something in that person to value and say, well, they, they are good in this aspect. Okay, you're you're going somewhere with this, I, I yeah, can tell. Yeah, well, well, just that, um, you know, we tend to look for the bad in people. Okay, so when if somebody is a a shooter and uh, and uh, destroys a bunch of people in a in an elementary school, it's pretty easy to look for the bad, but it's pretty hard to look for the good. So maybe you could talk to me about, you know, about that. Well, nobody does that in a sane frame of mind. Okay, so it's not done in a vacuum. I got you. Yeah. Okay. So even the shooter, we can say, deserves our pity. Okay, right. I got you there. Now, yeah, we don't have to like what he did, but we have to, uh, what is it, I don't have to like the crime, but I have to um, acknowledge the hate person. The, hate the sin, but love the sinner. So I guess that's, yeah, okay. Um, two ears and one mouth mm. for a reason. Okay, is that the third one? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I got that one, Ralph. You should uh, listen twice as much as you speak. Yes, you should uh, listen more. And speaking of which, you know, if, if any of our uh, listeners want to write in with comments, uh, we would love it because 
uh, we should listen more. Yeah. In fact, Ralph, we hadn't even talked about this on on air, but we've had a couple of people who have indicated that they'd like to come on. And uh, uh, one fellow is named Nathan, and I just haven't responded you know, to, to him. And so if you have something that you'd like to to uh, share with our listeners, send us a brief, uh, what would be a brief outline of yeah. what it is. Uh, and uh, I think we, you know, we should be able to set up at least that, that one service that we use, free conference caller, and uh, be able to uh, you know, get you on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that, uh, that goes to the fourth uh, point for the Stoics for today, or from the Stoics for today, uh, which is learn something from everyone. Learn something from everyone. Okay. You know, I've been thinking about this for a week or so. Last week, or maybe it was the week before, you talked about um, washing dishes for 75 cents an hour, right? Yeah. And uh, it, it didn't particularly thrill you, but I was thinking about the person that was washing dishes with you, an intellectually challenged young person. And, you know, I was thinking, here's a person is doing what I would consider, you know, meaning, menial work, and yet he found a lot of enjoyment in it. And yeah. so what can I learn from that? And so I began to find enjoyment out of things like pulling a few weeds, pulling a few dandelions. Power washing your deck. In fact, that was pretty satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't right in the great, great novel at 5 o'clock in the morning, but power washing the deck, yeah. And the last one for today is, and I think this is this is one that we miss a lot in today's society, and that is live as if you have already died and come back. Wow. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Every minute of your life is bonus time. Aha, uh -huh. okay. There's a TED that uh, maybe we can put up with uh, Learn More, and our listeners will note that I didn't get last week's Learn More put up, you know, so sorry about that, but it is uh, something to the effect of what if you knew that tomorrow is your last day on earth? Right. So, and, you know, if you think about, about it, uh, if you said, today is the end of my life as I know it. Mm-hmm. When you wake up tomorrow, it's a whole new day, uh -huh. and it's new challenges, new adventures, new happiness. So positive psychology would say that every day that you wake up and experience life all over again is bonus. I gotcha. Okay. That is, uh, uh, that's really positive. It's a positive approach. Yeah. Okay. Now, one of the things uh, that I want to talk about, and this is something that um, is perhaps the opposite. Maybe it's an antithetical of, uh, of positive psychology, but uh, a lot of people today, particularly uh, younger people, 
spend a lot of time on social media. Okay, that's that's true. And we've talked a little bit about some of the negative impacts of social media. Oh, look at my wonderful life. Yeah. Oh, my wife is not really wonderful, and so I get depressed because... Yeah, because else everybody else... Has now, a Lamborghini and was going to the south of France and... Yeah, et cetera. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Now, the thing about that is that um, there's hyper uh, excitability that happens with social media. You mean we get kind of an endorphin rush, uh, but at the same time with the anxiety we have uh, a, a cortisol uh, um, uptake and that's in conflict with the, en uh, the yeah, endorphin, the endorphin rush. rush. Yeah. And so, so our, you know, you're getting, your body's giving mixed signals very quickly. Right, our emotions are positive, negative, all over the place kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. And so, even just physiologically, uh, too much social media is not a good thing. So hyperarousal, um, the kind of thing you get. Now, it's interesting, you know, when they were doing animal research uh, and they discovered that you could get an animal, uh, let's say a rat, you could get a rat trained so that it would push a lever and get a reward of a food pellet. Sure, that's Skinnerian operant behavior. And what happened was that they discovered that when we got better at uh, doing things with the actual brain system and looking at what was being secreted at the time, they said, oh, isn't this interesting? The, the rat, when it's pushing the, the liver for the ninth time, and it knows that ten times is going to get it a food reward, mm -hmm. um, it starts to secrete uh, a hormone. Aha. Uh -huh. The so-called pleasure hormone? Yeah. Okay. So we say, well, gee, isn't that great? But wait a minute. It's not doing that when it's getting the food reward. It's doing it before it gets the food reward. Oh, so anticipation of the food anticipation reward. Anticipation of the food reward brings the same kind of brain stimulus. So if you have, let's say, a hundred friends on Facebook, <laughs> or a hundred people that you follow on Twitter, Oh, okay. <laughs> I'd laugh because, uh, how about my three? <laughs> you know, I, I'm amazed that we have uh, 2,700, no, 27,000 people that follow us, Ralph. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Jim, that uh, you have people like that, hundreds. That, okay. Uh, you keep up with on Facebook. Okay. okay. Sure. So you go and you see uh, Joe's posts for today. And they're not very interesting. But you say, wait a minute. But Mary always has something interesting. So I'll leave Joe and I'll go to Mary. Okay. Okay. You're anticipating a reward. Aha, uh -huh. so I'm going to be secreting a little bit of that pleasure hormone, right? Yeah. Even th just thinking about Mary and her 
Good posts. Good posts. Ha ha. Now, let me ask you a question. What happens if Mary's posts are about as flat as Joe's? Then you say, well, that didn't work. I'm going to somebody else. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. And this is the kind of thing that sucks you into addictive behavior. Or trolling for positive social media. Right. Okay. So, you know, the alcoholic, he goes to the bar. Uh, chances are very good his body is already secreting uh, positive hormones because, hormones he's, because anticipating. he's anticipating his first drink. Uh-huh. Okay, so you're anticipating a positive reward from a Twitter post from somebody you know. Uh-huh. And you say, well, hey, isn't this good? Oh, this one's not very interesting. So you move on. Yeah, okay. And it keeps sucking you in deeper and deeper. Mm, gotcha. Okay. So you... Uh, you remember the uh, De Niro uh, film where he's talking about trying to get out of the mob and uh, he leaves the mob and then he discovers that he's got to do something for them for very, uh, you know, keep me alive kind of reasons. And he says to a friend of his, just when I thought I was out, they sucked me back in. You know, well, yeah. that's that's social media. Just when you think you're out, it sucks you back in. <laughs> okay, now you said something about reducing the amount of social media. Do we know how much is um, how much is enough, or how much is too much, or is it a matter of individual differences? Some people can tolerate more um, uh, social media than than others. What do you think? I think it's a matter of individual differences, but what uh, the one thing that seems strongly evidenced right now is that the chances of becoming addicted to social media are much greater if you consume more than an hour a day. I would think that. I mean, that an hour a day, that's uh, one twenty-fourth of your uh, allotted daily time. And... Are there people who are spending... I guess I know the answer to that. Okay. Teenagers today, on average, are spending seven hours a day. Wow. On screen. On screen. Well, does this mean that... Are you counting, um, like, kids who are now using the screen to uh, do their classes because they're in a remote no. situation? No. No. This is voluntary screen time. Could be things like Game Boys, could be tablets, could be computers, could be uh, social media. Um, so we really don't know. We, we haven't filtered out yet what is exactly happening, what kids are looking at. Uh, it, other than a lot of it is social media. Okay. Now, and, and the other thing, of course, is that Social media, in fact, probably a, a large number of our listeners right now are listening on their phone. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're, you know, so yeah. that would be considered screen time, even though we don't have a visual content to this podcast. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we don't know what they're listening to. Not a, our, our listeners, we know what they're listening to. They are us. But we don't know what our teens are listening to. And from the kids that I see 
in my practice, I'd say they're spending a lot of their time on antisocial media. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can only do so much Grand Theft Auto and uh, Medal of Honor before you start saying this is the way people live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know? uh, which is which is not true. Now, I don't necessarily want to see us go back to uh, the Bible-thumping, Calvinistic past that we used to live in. But, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in the Bible that we have gotten away from because uh, churches are losing membership faster than they're gaining new members. Uh, people are aging out, they're dying off, and the new generation has not uh, accommodated uh, itself to the uh, structured religion or structured religion has not accommodated itself to the new generation. I don't know which way you want to want to say that. You know, it might be interesting, Ralph, to uh, bring a couple of uh, pastors, uh, maybe a youth pastor and a, and a regular church pastor, into the program someday. And we can discuss kind of the psychology of, I don't know what we call it, psychology of religion or what they're seeing, at least, the behaviors, the, the thinking um, and the emotions that they're seeing out there in the, in the world. Yeah. Now, this is, and understand this, I, listeners, I'm not, I'm not denigrating the use of uh, social media completely. I don't mean to do that because there are a lot of things that social media can do for us that are interesting that uh, don't necessarily uh, fall into the category of I'm entrapped in looking at everybody else's beautiful life. Okay, yeah, I think you're, you're right. Uh, uh, communication. Uh, each week, Sheila and I uh, spend a half an hour or so uh, online with uh, Duff out in San Diego. And uh, it's a, a good experience. And he uh, encourages us for some of the things we're doing. We encourage him. And so, yeah, that is... That's a, a good use of it, I think. Yeah. And, now, and, you know, even getting this email from Sarah this morning, you know, a good, good, good use. Okay. Good use. Now, let me give you another example of a good use, Jim. Um, you know, uh, and maybe you could tell our listeners, something about uh, type A personalities. Okay, well, the... Uh, the meme, I suppose, for type A is uh, uh, harried, hurried, and hostile, the three H's. Yeah. So there's anger there. This person never has enough time. There's time urgency, and, and they're, uh, uh, they just feel like other people are, are controlling them. That's the harried part of it. So hurried, harried, and, and hostile. Well, here's an interesting thing. One of the... Uh, side effects of positive psychology that uh, we have found is that um, you can be harried, you can be um, hurried, hurried. Uh-huh. And what about hostile? If you are not hostile, okay. you will not likely die of a heart attack. Uh-huh. 
at a prematurely young age. Yeah, good, good. If you're point. hostile, mm -hmm. you are more likely to. It's the anger, the, the hostility, that brings on the heart problems, hmm. heart know, and blood pressure. We were talking earlier about uh, about writing, you know, about books. How about this for a title? The anger gene. Or hostility gene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would work. Yeah. Uh, so you say, well, okay, so what? We've we've learned now that uh, we shouldn't be saying to people, don't be so type A, don't be so hurried, don't be so harried, but be less hostile. Mm -hmm. Well, we can do that, but that's one on one. Right. So. What do you mean, hostile? Yeah. <laughs> Anger management, yeah. So here, here is a thing that uh, I found really interesting. We've, we live in the age of big data now. I think 10 right. years ago we started looking at big data. And now we're starting to find some things that are happening with big data. And one of the things is this. Um, if you do a survey of uh, people and you go to their door or you ring their telephone and you ask them a bunch of survey questions, you can find out, for example, in, uh, in a county, in a particular state, you could find out what the health uh, prognostication for that county was. Okay. Okay, based on diet and exercise and so on and so forth. Okay. Now, through analysis by computer, so you've got big data, you can take Twitter feeds for a state or several states, analyze their Twitter feeds for words that indicate hostility, and anger and predict who will die or not not specifically who will die how many will die in a given year so the percentage of deaths is uh, predicted by what they are saying on Twitter in terms of their hostility, hostility. and anger Wow do now you, what's do you, interesting do you remember our former president yes uh, I've never read any of his Twitter feeds, but my understanding was that they're pretty hostile and angry. Yes. Okay. So, but he's 74, 75. So we're not talking about the ability to predict individuals, but the ability to predict trends, right? Yeah, okay. to predict an aggregate of, of uh, so many people in this region will die based on the anger level of the Twitter feeds. But what's really interesting, since very few people, statistically again speaking, very few people under 55 or over 55 are on Twitter. Right. Okay. Twitter feed is generally restricted to people who are under 55. Okay. The people who are tweeting in the in a given region are not the people who are dying. 
Uh, okay, you're going to have to um, The people that. who are dying are people who are over 55. Who aren't using Twitter. Who aren't using Twitter. Okay. What? But Twitter Sherlock? gives us the general climate. Okay. The amount of hostility in, in that region. area. Uh-huh. Gotcha. So if you're a 72-year-old and the area that you live in and the people you interact with on a daily basis tend to be angry and hostile, then guess what? Then you are more likely to have a heart attack or a stroke than if you are dealing with people who are amiable and laid back. Interesting, interesting. You know... Um... And you, you do know that I spent uh, two or three years uh, working my doctorate at Rutgers in New Jersey and went into uh, New York City fairly frequently and, you know, drove around on the freeways of, uh, of New Jersey. And, you know, I don't know the stats for a place like New Brunswick, New Jersey, uh, but I would imagine that the probability of early demise is uh, pretty high. Now again, some of our listeners could uh, uh, perhaps do the do the research, but you know, you get that New Jersey stare when you're looking at people. You go into New York City. Well, you and I were in New York City a couple times together, Ralph. And yeah. Remember we put on our that that uh, that, that mask almost. Yeah. 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 And uh, you know, kind of the uh, the feeling that you get is almost like. Uh, the feeling that you get in a in a bar room when you're 20, and uh, you're staring off into space, and somebody suddenly says, "You looking at me?" <laughs> you know. Well, that's that's what people in New York adapt as as their you know their look. They uh, they just make sure that they're not staring at anybody, particularly for fear of a Hostile reaction. Yeah, yeah, very, very good. Okay, we're we've got uh, uh, we're coming near the end of our time here, Ralph. Do you have a, a couple more that uh, for today? Well, uh, one of the things that I wanted to to leave our listeners with is a much more positive note, uh, since we're dealing with positive psychology, and I'm going to ask them to do uh, a little experiment. Okay. And the experiment is, is this. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday morning. What I'd like you to do, starting from Sunday, tomorrow, is go through your day just as you would normally. Okay, but it, just do the regular Sunday thing. Sunday thing, okay. Monday thing, Tuesday thing, for a week. From Sunday to Sunday. Okay. And at the end of the day, just before you put yourself in bed to go to sleep, write down three things that went well in the day. Okay. They don't have to be big things. They can be, uh, you know, I, I had uh, lunch with my wife and lunch was very good and her company was particularly good, and I was happy. Uh, it could be, uh, boy, I thought I blew the alternator in my car, and it turned out just to be a fuse, and it was uh, 
you know, two bucks to fix, and I'm yeah. happy. Okay, I got gotcha. you. So you get yourself a little little book, a little flip flip note. Flip note or just, a, you know. A, a, index card. Index card or whatever, okay. whatever is convenient. But I think it's important that you write it down because yeah. I've had people say, well, I'll, I'll remember it. And so at the end of a week, I say, well, what are the uh, 21 things that you uh, wrote down or remembered that uh, uh, made you happy? Yeah, uh, and uh, most people... Don't have it. Uh, don't have it. I mean, you can remember on average... Seven. Seven. Plus or minus two, right? Plus or minus two. So you might remember, if you were really good, nine, but that leaves a lot up to 27. 21. 21, yeah. yeah. Still leaves a lot. Still leaves a lot. Yeah. Okay, so, so write so down. So write them down, okay. and then write down after each one, you know, uh, so... I said, for example, lunch was good, and, and my wife's conversation was particularly delightful. That's two. Okay. Um, so why? Why uh, was lunch good, and why was my wife's conversation interesting? Okay. Well, it might be because we went to a place that we don't usually go, or I made a different meal for lunch, uh, or it might be that... Uh, we, we were talking about things that we were both very interested in. Okay. You so, know, so write down what went what well. The why. And why did it go well? Why okay. do you think it went well? Okay. Now, the interesting thing to me about this, Jim, is that at the end of the week, most people will say, well, yeah, this, this was useful. I found some things in it that, that I liked, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But if you do this, results have shown that if you do this and then you're interviewed three months later or six months later, you respond by saying, well, yeah, I'm happier now than I used to be and my life seems to be going better than it used to. And so the first few times that this was done and people got that follow-up result, they just kind of shook their heads. But finally, a researcher asked what I think is the key question. How did you find this one-week exercise to be so powerful that you're reporting that you're happy afterwards, six months afterwards? And the answer is? I didn't do it just for a week. Aha. Uh -huh. I got enough out of it in that first week that I thought I'd keep on doing it. So people tend to uh, keep on, and at the end of six months, A, it's become a habit, mm -hmm. and B, they're looking at things in their life from a different perspective. You know, Not what fell apart in my day. Mm-hmm. Not, I've got to uh, worry about that project that's got to come in to my boss tomorrow, but what went well in my life? Okay, so the people in this study were a lot like our bar-pressing rat. They are anticipating that something good is going to happen, right? Right. Uh-huh. As opposed to some other people who anticipate that bad things are going to happen. Right on. Remember we talked about optimism and pessimism? Yeah. Well, you know, we've done a lot here, here today, Ralph, I think. And uh, this is a, our third one 
on positive psychology. We have uh, two more to come, and uh, who knows? We may even uh, extend it beyond the two more. But in the meantime, we uh, want to urge our listeners to keep their stick on the ice because we're all in this together.